The FTC or Federal Trade Commission has logged over 137,000 consumer complaints related to COVID-19 and stimulus payments, with over half being related to fraud or identity theft. Victims have seen over $89.5 million in loss. That's a lot of money. That is a ton of dough. Unfortunately, for as long as there are good and trusting people in the world, there will most likely be dishonest people trying to take advantage of them. Those people that take advantage of others are known as scammers. Okay, so do you think that if you encountered a situation where there could be some fraud or something like that, um, that you would recognize it or pick up on it? I think so. I think I'm pretty good at noticing those signs of a scam and I think I'm pretty protected in the first place all right well you're sharp as a tack <laughs> so let's go over like some true or false and also some situational things okay and see how we do so you're gonna ask some questions I'll ask some questions cool cool okay so true or false scammers can get a lot of information from your social media to use against you I'm gonna say false I have all of my accounts private and I think I know for the most part, you know, who's following me and I can trust all of them. So it's actually true. Even if you don't intend to put information out there, there's still a lot of information on your social media that can be used. And even if you have like a, your account locked or private, like do you know all of your friends just because you went to middle school with somebody that you knew or elementary or high school with somebody that you do doesn't mean they're not trying to gather information about you. That's very true. Yeah. So what would you do if your credit union called and said they needed to confirm your routing and account number and like the caller ID comes through and the phone number looks legitimate? What do you think you'd do? So I'm very protective about my money. Um, so I think that I would tell them, you know, I'll call you back and like go and find the number or something. I heard that's what you were supposed to do when I took some sort of fraud presentation or something. So if somebody calls, whether it's your credit union or a doctor's office or your school to confirm any personal information about you, like your routing number, account number, social security number, you always want to let them know, you know what, I'll call you back, Google that number and make sure you're on that website of that company and then call that number so you're sure you're talking to a secure source. Anybody can call. I could call you and say I'm from your doctor's office and look for information. And right. then if you're not aware of that, you know, sounds like it makes sense. I have an appointment next week. Why wouldn't they be calling me? I might give that information to you and then it's really hard to recover that or who knows what they would do with it. So today, Devante and I are going to be talking about some common scams people have reported recently. However, it's important to remember that things continue to change and continue to evolve. And as we find out about these common types of scams on the news, scammers are learning about those scams as well and different ways to kind of take advantage of you. So just know that this list isn't exhaustive and there are always new scams coming out. So you just always need to be on your toes no matter what. From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU, Federal Credit Union, and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing interns and industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some games, delivering financial topics to you in a fun and interesting way. I'm your host, Devante. And I'm Catherine. We're excited you're here. 
I have been reading a lot about these types of things. Yeah. Like, if you go like to ftc.gov, there is just a wealth of information. One of the really interesting ones that I've read about is um, when people are trying to get vaccinations. Mm, like, yeah. pe- they're telling people like, oh, you can get this vaccination. It'll protect you against coronavirus or even like at-home test kits. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to vaccinations, my thought would be if there's a vaccination out there and all these millions of people have been affected by COVID-19, then you probably won't hear about it on the internet, right? Right. Um, So it's kind of that if it's too good to be true, it's most likely not true, mm-hmm. especially with something like this. And then with the COVID at home testing, I'm sorry, I'm not swabbing myself and sending it in the mail to anybody. Um, but, you know, they do have the DNA, the ancestry and all mm-hmm. of that that are really popular now. So it's become kind of a regular thing for us to do. You know, there are lots of um, testing facilities. There are the CVS and Walgreens. They're doing testing. Um, all those different things. So definitely just be sure to do your research on something like that before you decide to send your your swab in or before you decide to look into any sort of vaccination or anything like that. Know that it'll probably be on the news when there's something like that that's publicly available. Yeah, for sure. My question with that, when there are scammers trying to sell like fake, fake test kits or fake vaccines, what are they trying to get? Is their goal for you to, I don't, I'm just making up a number here, but buy the test kit for $50 and then they, they profit that $50? Or is their goal to have you buy the test kit, they'll send it to you, you'll swab and everything, and then maybe fill out a form with your name and some other personal information and then you send it back. Or maybe it could be both. Maybe they're trying to take advantage on both fronts. Yeah, I think it's really both. Like when I was reading that's pretty much what I saw like that it was happening on both ends with people trying to collect information from you as far as like we'll pay 50 bucks for this at home test kit and we'll send it to you and then you get nothing in the mail and now they have your information like your card number and stuff like that yeah but also sending things out where you have to you know put all of your information on a slip of paper and then send it back in or whatever and then even with the vaccinations and stuff like that you know how much money people are probably willing to pay for something like a vaccination the amount of money that somebody can get from them Mm -hmm. you know i mean i think in times like these people are desperate for a vaccination they're a little eager maybe overly eager to get their hands on that first vaccination that they hear about but at the end of the day the vaccination has to be approved and it's probably going to be available through your doctor's office and you'll hear about it through like you said a reputable source Right, and for that, you know, I definitely recommend giving a call to your doctor, um, actually looking for testing sites, mm-hmm. and looking into there being the vaccine. You can literally type in vaccine COVID-19, and you'll kind of be updated on what is out there or what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, what the process is and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Protect yourself from that one. Yeah, that's a really good transition to our next scam we want to talk about, which is related to mobile malware and things online. Yeah, so researchers at Checkpoint reported 16 malicious apps posing as legitimate coronavirus-related apps, and that more than 30,103 new coronavirus-related websites were registered between March and currently. 
And of those new 30,000 plus that were created, 131 are considered malicious, and then 2,777 are suspicious and under investigation. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of apps. Yeah, so you wanna be sure, I guess, that you're doing your research, you're only clicking on things that you know are legitimate, and not just trusting everything you read on the internet. We all know that the internet is not always correct. Exactly, that's very true. With the malware, like, what are they doing once you download this on your phone? So I heard or I read of some reports where they were initiating ransomware on your phone and kind of holding your phone hostage so that you couldn't do anything with it until you pay whatever their ransom they're requesting is. So that's kind of scary. That is. That's yeah. really scary. And then I imagine they also, along with that, maybe have access to your, some of your personal information that you have saved on your phone, which is even scarier because who knows what they do with that after the fact if you do pay the ransom or get your phone back somehow. Mm. Okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Don't download any apps, Devante. Check into them. <laughs> Just like triple check, do your research, know that it's a legitimate company. So there's another scam that I've been reading a whole lot about, and it has to do with small businesses. So you know that through the CARES Act, there was quite a bit of money earmarked for small businesses for the Paycheck Protection Program. Mm -hmm. um, so according to the SBA's official website, um, they have some tips on here about how to kind of avoid fraudsters. So one, the SBA does not initiate contact or anything like that with the 7A or disaster loan grants, which would be like the PPP loans. Okay. Um, and if you are contacted by someone from the SBA, then you should be leery and actually just hang up and contact the official SBA. Okay. Also, they say that no one should require any payment from you or ask if you want like a bridge loan or something like that until you get your funds. So there have been people or entities um, that have promised businesses that they can help them to either get their loan faster, to get more money, or that they will take kind of all the guesswork out of it and just fill the information out themselves and just having them send over all of their personal information. Interesting. So like if they were to offer, so like a bridge loan would be like, they can give it to you sooner, right? So in the event that that happens, is that kind of like they give you the money and then they say, once you get your actual payment, send that back to us, but then their check bounces or whatever it might be. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, and even just them saying like, okay, we can get you a bridge loan until your loan comes in from the government, like, they could just be getting your personal information and then that's it. You never hear from them again. That's a lot of what I've been reading about. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's scary. So yeah. it's not just personal people we need to worry about. It's also small businesses or businesses in general that need exactly. to be Exactly. And just coast. imagine how vulnerable businesses are already with the loss of business with all that's been going on and stuff like that. Like, yeah. You know, if you tell me, like, you can give me a loan so I can pay my employees and things like that, like, yeah, let me jump right on that. You can get it faster? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So just be very leery of that. Okay, that's a good one. So the last scam that we're going to really go into detail on today um, is related to charity scams. So most people are good, I think, right? And most people want to help if they're able to 
during a time of crisis, kind of like what we're going through with the um, coronavirus. Right. And so they want to give. They want to help by donating to a charity that will do good in the community. Unfortunately, there are some people that aren't so good in the world that maybe are thinking about setting up fake charities mm. to collect money, right? So they collect, they advertise that they are helping victims of coronavirus or helping the families or whatever that may be. But in reality, they're just collecting your money and doing whatever they want with it. So the FTC actually put out uh, an alert with some different tips and things to help combat this because it has been such a problem as of recently. So they suggest that if you're interested in donating to a specific charity, Google that charity's name uh, with the word scam or fraud. And then if there are any reports of it thus far, other people have been affected, that will come up. They also suggest reviewing the ratings of the charity um, on the charity's website, but also looking up the charity's registration status in your state with your local charity regulator, because every state has a different charity regulator. Um, so looking up the status of that with them. Very good information. That's definitely important, you know. I ran into that where like I was trying to donate to some charities and things like that and I don't know how they get your information. It seems like everybody is watching. Um, but I donated to one charity and then like a couple of weeks later I got contact information from a, for another charity. They had just like randomly emailed me like, you know, if you're looking to help people out, things like that, we're doing relief funds and stuff like that. And then um, I just decided to go and research them and I did that that thing because you told me that mm -hmm. Put scams after it when you google it and there were a whole bunch of things that had popped up about it So I was like glad I came and did my research before yeah. Donating to something like that definitely because who knows what that money would have actually been used for Wouldn't have been used for your intended purpose, right? Okay, so I have a few scams that I like to talk about, but we don't have to go in depth about them. Okay. Okay? One is price gouging. So even though this isn't a scam in the traditional sense of how we think of it, but it is still something where you're taking advantage of a consumer. Mm -hmm. um, so we know that products like toilet paper and hand sanitizer and alcohol and peroxide have become hugely unavailable in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Toilet paper still perplexes me, but whatever. Um, if stores are charging really, really excessive prices for those things, you can actually report them for price gouging. And you can do that by kind of jotting all the information down about the product, taking a picture of it, and actually submitting it to your attorney general or just searching online for where you need to report price gouging. Okay. Another one we kind of touched on in the beginning of the podcast, but we wanted to talk a little bit more about is um, social media scams. So the reason that you want to be careful of that is because scammers can gather information, little pieces of information that you share on social media and kind of maybe it doesn't seem like a huge deal in one post, but if they're able to piece enough information together from say 10 different posts, they might be able to get a lot of information about you. So things you want to be wary of are like sharing maybe even where you live or geotagging a picture. Um, and then also I know those um, get to know you type of quizzes have yeah. become really popular, um, especially over the past six months or so. And a lot of times they ask like, 
what's what was your first pet's name what's your favorite restaurant things like that and a lot of times those questions are used for like if you forget your password or security questions for logging into accounts so you could be just handing over that information on the silver platter to someone who doesn't have the best of intentions so being careful of what you share with those quizzes is really important too definitely Sometimes I like to shake it up and just share the wrong answers. <laughs> Throw them off your trail. <laughs> um, another one is watching out for emails. I know we've talked about phishing emails, but watching out for those emails that are claiming to be uh, the World Health Organization or the Center for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. Of course, those are huge organizations that kind of are at the forefront of this whole COVID-19 fight. Um, but really, really be careful of, you know, clicking on different emails and things like that. If they send you something, did you sign up for updates to get from the CDC mm -hmm. or from the World Health Organization? Um, and ultimately, I just wouldn't click on anything. If you see something in the email that you're interested in, what about just Googling it? And if that's the website that it's on, then it'll pop up. Um, I actually, you know, fell for that. I was moving too fast and I clicked on a link and as soon as I clicked on it, I exited off, but it still took me too long to recognize that it was an issue. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened, at least not that I'm aware of, um, but I know for future reference to really be careful um, of clicking links and emails from those different organizations. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. So do you want to play a little game of true or false to see, kind of wrap it up and see how we did with learning this information okay, here? Okay, start with a game, end with a game. I'm yeah. with it. Yeah. Okay. So, true or false? Phishing, which is when someone is scammed via email, is at its highest rate ever in the last three years. Whew. Judging from all the things we talked about in this episode, I'm going to go with true. You are correct. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that kind of has to do with a lot of different things, but just technology continues to evolve and scammers are evolving right there with it, doing everything they can to take advantage of people. Okay, so I have one for you. True or false, human intelligence is the best defense against phishing attacks. Hmm. I'm going to say false. Okay, okay. So that's exactly what I thought because I'm like, there's lots of software out here that should be able to detect things yeah. better than the human mind since they always make it seem like computers are smarter than us. Mm -hmm. But this is actually true, that the human brain is still the most sophisticated defense against scams. Okay. So, you know, it just goes to show that that noggin is still very important. Yeah, okay. So we just got to be aware of those tips and how to recognize it and the end of the day we're our own best line of defense exactly interesting and now it's time for the cu spotlight at msu federal credit union and ou credit union we are always looking for ways to educate individuals on the importance of smart money management wallet watch is one of the great ways that we are able to do that but if you're itching to learn more we have additional resources that you are able to utilize for free Financial 4.0 is a free app and website that offers users access to their own personalized budget tracker, financial quizzes, published articles, weekly tips, and more. It's a fun and interactive way to learn about money and taking control of your finances. If you are interested in learning more, visit financial40.org or find us in your app store by searching Financial 4.0 for MSU or Financial 4.0 for OU.
Wilder Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Katherine Hurth and me, Devante Montgomery. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson-Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this show at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.